Welcome to Campbell and Cohen's Kooky Quarantine. I'm Seamus Campbell. I'm Ben Cohen. And we are joined by friend of the pod, Becky Beaver. How you doing, Becky? Hello, hello. I'm good. How about you guys? Doing pretty well. Doing good. Not going outside in this terrible heat because, well, the pool party I was going to go to later got put off. Sad times. Oh, boo. I know. Thoughts and prayers. Thank you. <laughs> These trying times. I know. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm excited. I think this is my third time on the podcast where I'm going to talk about Space Jam. So uh, <laughs> it's like a thing yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah. So those of you that do not know, there is a new version of Space, a new sequel to Space Jam. Actually, it's not even really a sequel. It's just another Space Jam. And I've watched actually a film theory about this all that I'll get to later. But yeah, Space Jam, uh, what's it called? Like a new generation or something? A new legacy. New legacy. There we go. Yeah, so Becky and I have watched it. Ben is not. Uh, so, Becky, what are your thoughts? And then I'll get to mine and we'll go from there. So, I didn't hate it. I'm going to start by saying that. I did not hate it. Um, but do I think it's as good as the original? Like, no. But, like, I'm also looking at it from, like, a very, like, like open perspective, if you will. Because, like, I know that, like, like, the thing I keep remembering is that it's not for me, right? Like, I mean, like, it is for, like, our nostalgia to some degree, because I don't really think there were a lot of other people clamoring for a remake of a 25-year-old movie, <laughs> you know, um, at this point or something. I think it's about that old now. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like they, they took elements of the original, which were cool, and then they tried to modernize certain things, and I think some of that paid off and some of it didn't. Um, but it, it was not the flaming hot pile of garbage i was afraid it was going to be so like for that like i'm content if that makes any sense at all yeah for me well i have a few thoughts well first off uh so this is not giving any spoilers or anything for anyone who hasn't watched but um if you haven't watched it's on hbo max and if you don't have hbo max find some or make some friends that have an hbo max account or something you know we can try to connect you. You know, this podcast is all about making connections. I mean, we're not sponsored yet, wink, wink. But uh, HBO Max, honestly, is one of the streaming services. Totally worth it. Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> HBO, we will, Time Warner, whoever we should address here. AT&T. We, okay, that's fine. We are fine not having shame. Um, especially <laughs> Corporate <for> overlords. <laughs> hear our plea. Hey. AT&T, I am a, I've been a subscriber of yours since I was 13 years old. You know, it's a family account. We've had the same thing, you know. I am willing to sell my soul to you. I already have. <laughs> and, you know, if, if while we're at it, you could maybe reverse course and give us a second season of Lovecraft Country after all. Uh, that right. would be amazing. Or also maybe convince Sorkin to bring back the newsroom. Like, there's any number of possibilities. Like, if we're going to reboot things, let's just reboot everything. Reboot the last all season of Game of Thrones. Yes. Yeah, that, that season did not exist. Yeah, and in my opinion, uh, well, actually, I, I won't say who ended up on the throne, but it's, yeah, that did not happen. It wasn't one of the dire wolves, uh, and I was very sad. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been adorable. 
But so my opinion on Space Jam 2 is it was meant, I think you, this is my conspiracy theory, mine going. It was meant to basically uh, show off to Disney saying, yeah, we're as powerful as you. And the we being Warner Brothers. I can uh, see that. Yeah, yeah, because Disney owns, all, uh, I think, the well, I think it's at least 40%, if not the entire majority of just, uh, film distribution out there. And basically, without giving any spoilers, every, and when I say every, I mean every, including like Clockwork Orange, uh, <laughs> everyone's... Ben's face just now. <laughs> <laughs> he is completely frightened. That I'm just that. So this is a kids' movie, and you're talking about a one of the most decidedly not kid movies ever made. One that you know was also produced many decades ago, and they worked that in there. Do you remember yes. like when Austin Powers was super big, and they had just cameo after cameo after cameo? Yeah. That's basically what this new Space Jam does, yeah. except with the whole like Warner Brothers universe. I mean, I kind of got some sense of that from the trailers, you know, where LeBron has got like his whiteboard of all the people he wants to recruit. And it's like Gandalf and Superman. And then you see King Kong in the audience. Yeah, like it is very much that. And that was like, honestly, that's one of my only real complaints about the movie um, without. And, and, and I think I can do this without spoilers, too, because like if you've seen the trailer, like you get an idea of what the game looks like right because they do show that yeah. so you know they have this completely loaded audience of you know warner brothers property characters everywhere which i mean to like some degree as a as a movie lover was really cool but also i, I just felt lost in the sauce on it like there was so much stuff happening that like you couldn't even really appreciate the cameos that were there then like the cameos that you actually wanted to see that like made sense for space jam were so minimalized and i thought that was weird um and then just like the other parts of it were like i felt like and maybe seamus maybe you can back me up since you've seen it but i felt like the looney tunes were like almost a minor character in this yeah like despite was... the fact that the looney tunes were a predominant character and like character set in the original like it was almost like they were an afterthought because there were so many other cameos and pop-ups and look there's king kong and oh harry potter and casablanca is randomly here you know like yeah. i mean it was cool like i, I like yeah. i didn't hate the mad max is stuff. also there but i mean yeah. literally Iron Giant. everything literally everything you could imagine um yeah like literally when becky and i are saying the word literally we are not being figurative yeah think of any movie that's ever been produced by warner brothers or has been bought by warner brothers it is actually in it like from wizard of oz yeah yeah like it was like that part of it like i like i enjoyed it when they were like at first like kind of like exploring some of that and it was cool you know Mm -hmm. like like one minor joke that i'm gonna like go ahead and just say like earmuffs if you like, don't want to hear anything but um I, I don't care lebron being a hufflepuff which is hilarious to me huh. i i would have thought he would have demanded he'd be a gryffindor but that's fine i mean i kind of have a personal theory like i'm not a big harry potter person in general but you know i would think that like all the jocks would definitely be gryffindors like without a question so 
I think that was also maybe part of the joke was to make LeBron a Hufflepuff because of that whole like idea. But um, yeah, yeah like that, those were really the only things that like I was just kind of like, okay, there's a lot happening here. And but then at the same time, it's when, also sorry. No, you're fine. And like with someone with like ADHD watching that, like my brain just could not focus on because <laughs> I was looking at the audience like the whole time. But one thing, so I, as I mentioned, I also last I watched uh, film theory about this. Uh, those of you that don't watch film theory, great YouTube channel, like just subscribe. And actually, one of the franchises in Space Jam's new legacy is the original Space Jam. Right. That's yeah, true. they actually like show posters of that and all that. So, so acknowledge that the original Space Jam, where Michael Jordan saves the Looney Tunes from Alien Danny DeVito, uh, is a movie in. The... So it's not like, hey, this happened a while ago. We have to play another game of basketball, and MJ's retired. So let's go to LeBron. But they do kind of like make nods where it's like it exists, but it doesn't exist because like there are things like what Seamus mentioned where where they acknowledge it, but then like. Yeah. There's because they stuff. do call themselves the Toon Squad again. Of course. And they do say, like, you know, we have to be back together. You know, they say, like, uh, they're a team. So, and, of course, Lola Bunny comes back. So there are re- references. So it's it's extremely meta. And, like, it's like turtles all the way down. Yeah, it, it, it is meta. But also, at the same time, like, I also felt like it didn't really acknowledge it because, like, I'm so sorry, Ben. I'm trying to like do this without like putting in like the really do not even at some point when I put on HBO and I do watch this, I don't think I'm going to care about the intricacies of the plot. It is really okay. Space Jam 2. So uh, like here are my like things of all right. So like the I mean, and these are not like major like what? Oh my god. Because I also kind of feel like this is one of those movies where it's like if you don't know how it's going to end and how it's going to go, like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, this is kind of one of those, like, it's yeah, not yeah. a carbon copy, but, like, you know, it was definitely, like, change a few things so the teacher doesn't notice um, type of movies. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be the Looney Tunes need help playing basketball against, I don't know, aliens. Actually, or- it's not. It's LeBron needing help from the Looney Tunes. It's reversed. Yeah. Yeah, so... so- but the this things is... that the things that drove me crazy though, like what I was gonna say, that like that I was kind of like weird by because everything else was so meta, they were not as meta about their actual franchise. Because like there's one point when like LeBron is asking Bugs Bunny for help, he's like, No, this seems familiar, you know, which is a nod to the audience. And then also in the whole universe of eight thousand cameos they do have the original um, aliens from Moron Mountain in the crowd. Really? Watching mm-hmm. the game. But they're, they're never acknowledged again. They're never, they're never in the fold. They never say anything. You know, I felt like, I feel like that was a missed opportunity. Like if they were going to expand on any cameo, that's the one I would have wanted to have seen more of. Um, and then the other thing that they do that like, I was like kind of just like irritated <laughs> was like they're in the locker room you know they're like having their 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 kind of pep talk and they're and they and they tease Michael Jordan and then they bring in Michael B Jordan and I was like y'all didn't have to do that <laughs> at all like that does seem like a very that does seem like some low hanging fruit 
Yeah, like... But, like, I, honestly, when I saw that, I was like, okay, they're going to bring in Michael Jordan, and that was going to be, like, a surprise cameo thing. You know, I thought that would be awesome. I mean, a total nod, yeah. and then... And, I mean, and then you get so Michael many... P. Jordan, which is like, okay, you got me, you know? And there were so it many was a fun, cameos. Prank. I suppose, like, they have to know everyone is expecting Michael Jordan to show up. Yeah. That was, I mean, it that was, was, yeah, like, they hyped it, man. They were playing, like, his on-court music and everything, you know, and then... They were, he was just like, yeah, I was just getting popcorn, and uh, this guy got me and brought me in here. <laughs> just like, I mean, I I don't have any doubts. To be fair, I would probably. love to see Michael B. Jordan actually playing. I mean, hey, you know, it's the the, the one thing that that I'll compare Very this to of like other other sequels or technically sequel universe. I don't really feel like this is a true sequel. Um, personally i don't feel like there's enough differences from the original plot to deviate to make it like a new thing except for like we have a current basketball player now that kids will recognize because you know michael jordan's been out of the game for a hot minute um but the other thing it reminded me of did um did either one of y'all see bill and ted three i haven't not yet but i was okay well like bill and ted is also the bill and ted three also has very much the same like cameo feel of like because you know they, they travel through time right you know so like they're always meeting people so it's kind of like that same thing where it just becomes this whole like imagine like the looney tunes and like getting everybody in the warner brothers universe together like bill and ted style that's basically like the gist that i could give you on it like they're, they're very similar like in that like thought process but you know like i just i feel like some of the jokes were also a little weird um like it was funny i did laugh at it like there were legitimate moments where like they got me um but also at the same time there was a rap battle and i felt like the rap battle was just a very yes. strange it was Another strange but podcast. also it was very it, it was sweet so yeah because Another podcast so- i listened to um brought up a point about it and they were like saying basically that like it kind of felt like it was a play to like people who grew up in the 2000s like when the when the rap battles were like so popular and like mainstream and, culture and like eight mile and stuff yeah 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 and but like the thing that i liked about it is that of course everyone knows porky pig has a stutter and of course he this dominates with this rap battle and so like if for some like for the dis- disability community i thought that was like a really nice little nod i didn't think about it like that but that's a really good point mm-hmm because he, he i mean it, it was like a solid like rap battle i just thought it was like a weird joke thing i was like do kids like still do rap battles or is that still like a thing that would be like compelling enough for a for a child in today's like 2020 you know like 2021 atmosphere like that was the only thing that I was just kind of like and also it felt like a weird like if you're going to do a nostalgia pool like for people in their 30s and you know and I just don't know if that was necessarily the the angle I would have hit but you know it worked I feel like if you're gonna do something like it you know 20 something years later nostalgia for space jam thing you know one that it's a movie that's already using what was then a decades old property there's got to be such a weird line to walk well i i've watched a few youtube videos about this because just because the algorithm knew i was uh gonna like do a space jam thing and i was watching and all that you know because google they are our, uh, they are Big Brother, you know. But I, for one, uh, I am totally fine with our new robot overlords. <laughs> Same. 
But apparently, they, apparently, since basically there was such a huge success of the original Space Jam, they wanted to do multiple sequels. And there was tr- attempts many, many times uh, <clears throat> with like a d- bunch of different athletes. And the best one that I liked, which could have been hilarious, was there was going to be one Space Jam uh, sequel where it was the new head of Warner Brothers announces that all characters must have at least a high school diploma. So all the characters have to go... Looking at Ben's face now, like he is like, what the heck? I don't know, but I kind of love this concept already. Oh, it gets better. (laughs) So they all have to go back to school. So it's all Billy Madison style and all that. But the sort of like Michael Jordan character in that is a guidance counselor and the best here's the best part which would have been hilarious the opening sequence was going to be a kid who dreams of growing up to be a a a guidance counselor like (laughs) complete carbon copy (laughs) complete carbon copy of the opening sequence of the original space jam with like young michael jordan like hoping to be like a famous basketball player and all that and but so but you see in the opening scene as was drafted in the script he's like going through he's this kid is in his room and he's like looking at like baseball cards so to speak of all the great guidance counselors <laughs> you know, that would have been that that's meta to the point where it would have been fun yeah <laughs> so ridiculous i was oh, like God. they yeah. need to make that I die with watching it. No, one thing yeah. Space Jam did this time that I really liked that they did not do in the original, but the original was centered around. So a lot of people don't realize this, but like going into the deep dives, like Seamus is talking about with Space Jam, um, the original Space Jam was based around a uh, 1993 commercial for the Air Jordan 8s. And it was um, Michael Jordan and Marvin the Martian playing basketball in space. And it was actually a pretty, like, and you can still find this on YouTube, like, but um, it, it was a pretty, like, well-received commercial. And, and they were like, hey, you know, we could, we could do a thing with this. And so, you know, Marvin the Martian h- himself was really not predominantly featured in the original Space Jam. Like, they, I mean, he was there, but it was kind of... He was more, the referee. Right, right. But, um, you know, the beginning of the movie kind of starts out with, like, LeBron having some one-on-one with... Marvin the Martian, like it, it, it at a point when Bugs Bunny. So, like, I thought it was kind of cool that it had that feel and more of that, like, you know, actual interaction between like famous basketball player and Marvin the Martian. It felt like a nice little throwback, if you will, to that 1993 commercial in like a small, you know, minor way. Yet we never got a full length feature film where Charles Barkley plays a one on one game against Godzilla. Listen, Charles Barkley is the unsung hero, other than Bill Murray, of the original Space Jam. Like, out of all the basketball players, like, he had the best lines, <laughs> like, the best seeds. Him in the church praying and saying that he would never go out with Madonna again just sent me. Because <laughs> he had, like, legit dated Madonna. <laughs> there is so much of that movie that I had forgotten until, full disclosure to the audience, uh, the three of us actually watched this, the original Space Jam together when we were all 
on our trip in Chicago several weeks ago. Um, so some of this is a little bit. See, more Becky fell asleep. Yeah, I fell asleep. But honestly, I've watched it more times than everyone in the room put together, so it still counts. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, so when we were watching it, we did not. It was like probably the first time in years either Ben or I had seen it, <laughs> and it really is. You can watch it as a little kid, and you think, "Oh, it's cute little uh, cart, uh, Bloomington's cartoon with Michael Jordan, cool, and all that." As an adult, you realize it's all an allegory for labor rights. Oh yeah, yeah, they are like predominantly like pro union because, like, literally, you know, that they're talking about like the the indent. Uh, sorry, I'm like fumbling my words there, but you know, making it making Bloomington's and Michael Jordan slaves, you know, working yeah. for nothing. And then when they have the first meeting with the aliens, they're in it's a, a late, it's a union meeting. Yeah. It's a union meeting. It's labeled that on like posters that are around. And like when Porky Pig is getting people together, he's like union meeting, union meeting. And also um, another union reference they make is when Bill Murray shows up to, to play on the court. They're like, how'd you get here? He's like, I called him a favor and a teamster drove me. So like it is so pro-union. Like this one didn't really do any sort of like union mentions. It it really just focused more like on movie universe. And it was also um, in my opinion, way more family centered than the original. Not that the original is not a family movie, but like family is one of the driving plot points compared to the original Space Jam, where it was just like Michael Jordan's kids were kind of there. You know, they saw, I think it was, was it Sylvester that came to get the, the shorts? Who was it? It was uh, Daffy and Bugs. I was way off. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, they're there. They're looking and they're excited because, hey, the famous cartoons are in our house. And then the rest of the time, it's just, they, you know, kind of abscond with the most famous athlete in the world to the tune world. And it doesn't phase him for very long. I noticed, like, at some point, like, there's just a cutaway, and then they walk into the gym, and Michael is immediately on board. Like, I totally want to help you guys. I just want to make sure I have the right gear for this. Yeah. And then nothing about, hey, I just got pulled into another dimension, and I might be enslaved there. Oh, no, I have a wife and kids. Which, I mean, I know IRL Michael Jordan is a bit of a character, but you'd think they would have written that in. Yeah, I mean, like, even even at that time, like, I mean, if Michael Jordan were even to go missing right now, it would be major yeah. national headline news. My God, who is he Which, sponsoring? Ben, you mentioned uh, uh, Screen Actors Guild. So y'all probably don't know this, but there is an actual fight happening for Screen Actors Guild leadership. Ooh. Like, oh. yeah. So they're the sort of chosen slate by the current president, whose name I don't remember, is uh, for new the next president. Is gonna, uh, the preferred slate is Fran Drescher as president and Anthony Rapp as secretary treasurer. Sure. But now Fran Drescher has an opponent in Matthew Modine uh, uh, with her cast. Uh, and it looks like. It's uh, Jolie Fisher is Modine's running mate. So honestly, if there was like an actual like election or something like in person, I'd watch. Yeah, no, that would be one too that like I would definitely be like interested in seeing how that one goes down. 
My Definitely favorite. more fun than YDA conventions. Yeah. And although also more prob- substantive. Although probably just as messy. <laughs> but actual substance. But um, one of my favorite things that I found out about, like, Screen Actors Guild presidents, uh, Mr. Feeney was a Screen Actors Guild president. And that just feels very right. Would it burst your bubble if I point out that I believe at one point Ronald Reagan was? I mean, I know that, but I'm he choosing was. not to acknowledge it. Thank you for bringing that up and ruining my afternoon, Ben. <laughs> it was you know, decades before he got into actual partisan politics. Yeah. Back when he was just doing goofy movies with chimps or something. I mean, he was a cowboy. Here's the really sad news. He is the only union leader to have gone on to be president. Oh, God. Why are you trying to mess up my afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> So back to Space Jam. Yes, happy things, happy thoughts. The original is an allegory to union, uh, to labor rights and union activities and all that. The new one is more of just the classic tale of a father and son finally getting to know each other. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely like the driving point. Like, I I think like family is the main plot device. Like everything Mm -hmm. that's done is done in the interest of like LeBron James and his family. Yeah, which I mean, I don't think is a terrible thing. I really don't. Like, I I actually thought that was one of the more like endearing parts. You know, like I could see where like if someone was watching that with their kids, like that's a that's a positive. And like LeBron James is also kind of the perfect person to cast for this. Like, not because he's a he's some great actor. I mean, his acting was pretty wooden, but I mean, he's a basketball player, not an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, so Same I will Jordan in the original. Like, I'm willing to let that go. I mean, yeah, Michael Jordan also, like, not an actor. <laughs> you know, like, there's a reason why they've not done a bunch of stuff. But, um... Hold on, he was in a bunch of Haynes commercials. Yeah, yeah, okay, a commercial. <laughs> but, you hey, know... Hey, he, he really sold that underwear. Listen, Michael Jordan sold just about everything. Nike, McDonald's, you know, like, that's also a big part of the original Space Jam is that, like, there's one part where, like, where Stan comes in, I can't think of the actual actor's name right now. I'm blanking, but he comes oh, in the room. Uh, Wayne Knight. Thank you, thank you. So like Wayne Knight comes in the room and he's like, he's like, lace up your your Nikes, like grab your Wheaties and you know like all these different product placements, and we'll grab and we'll grab like a ballpark on hot dog on the way to the stadium. You know, it's like it goes through all of his endorsements. Like they make fun of Michael Jordan pretty openly throughout that movie. They make fun of his baseball career. They make fun of all of his endorsements. Like. <laughs> you know and then of course his eventual return to basketball um but like i don't feel like they really roasted lebron that hard like they kind of like put lebron in kind of goofy situations but you know i mean that's also kind of part of the territory the only thing that really kind of disappointed me a little was just like how backseat the looney tunes were but also someone they else didn't brought... really become their usual looney tune self until the end right right it was kind of like almost an afterthought but i also saw something interesting that someone brought up you know like there's really not been a current looney tunes like franchise on tv or you know big movie in a hot minute not not one that's gotten a lot of traction i know there was like that looney tune show that cartoon network ran for a little while um on their just like regular daytime stuff that i don't think really was ever hugely hugely critically you know acclaimed and then space jam was probably the last really big thing they had so you know you're talking Tunes back in action like that was i think that was a bit of a flop though yeah, yeah. like i mean that, it's, that was oh three 
yeah but i mean even if even if it hadn't been that big of a flop i mean if, if that was the last major thing that came out of that franchise like 2003 has been a second ago now you know i mean like we're not talking about you know that's it's not quite and a lot of the book. original looney Tunes stuff you cannot show anymore right so you know and i know that there was also like a lot of back and forth on like different things they were going to include and not include because i know there was a hot minute where like elmer fudd and yosemite sam weren't gonna be allowed to have their guns and then they finally did decide to allow that but i mean it just you know there was a lot of things that like culturally what do we change and also there was the weird super weird like complaints i guess from like the incel dudes about like lola bunny being less sexualized in this one yeah i knew this was going to come up when we started talking about talking about space jam yeah i think we'd all originally planned on making this an episode about the olympics and at some point it probably still will be <laughs> uh, but i had forgotten that Lola Bunny existed until they started like marketing the new Space Jam movie. And so the fact that people are mad that this, you know, one-off girl cartoon wasn't gonna have big boobs or whatever the hell it is. Like, what? why, why do you need this? I, uh, listeners can't see this, but I am right now in our Zoom playing a very tiny violin. He's actually playing the Merry Melodies theme song. It's 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 uncanny. Um. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, for me and Lola Bunny. So, like, as someone who grew up in the time, you know, that Space Jam originally came out as a child in the prime demographic, like, that movie was made for me, right? And yeah. people, like, our age. So, like, Lola Bunny was a significant character because, like, I mean, you know, if, if we want to really get into the whole deep dive of female representation and everything else, I mean, that's an obvious topic that you know we could go on and on about but yeah you know like she really was like the cool girl character like i remember like when we were playing like space jam on the playground and stuff like that like i always wanted to be lola bunny and i remember like when they did that thing (laughs) where she had like her her ears in that ponytail and then like she blew it over the side of her face like i remember spending hours trying to blow my ponytail over my face to absolutely no avail <laughs> but honestly Warner Brothers lost a really brilliant like marketing opportunity uh by not creating like one or their own cartoons for Lola Bunny yeah totally I mean I would have totally 100% bit into that and I think a lot of other kids would too and in this one though she definitely comes out more of just like the uh, uh, like a leader like she is yeah. basically lebron's lieutenant it's not bugs bunny i mean they essentially establish that she's the only looney tune that can actually play basketball and spoiler alert um when they find her she is right now being when they find her to try recruit her to play she is in the process of going through the trials to become amazon warrior under the auspices of Wonder Woman, or Diana. Are we Amazon, allowed to talk Amazon. about Wonder Woman in front of Becky? I feel like she has. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I here's the thing. Like, so <laughs> listeners, my, my beef with Wonder Woman only exists in our in our game because it's just a, a joke and plot device for me. Yeah, to, to fill in. I love Wonder Woman. Who don't know what we're going on about now? Uh, the one of the other things that the three of us all participate in is that we all play D and D together, and. Becky's character has a bit of a massive rivalry that we're just learning some backstory on with a Wonder Woman analog. 
it's like my favorite things of my like character. Becky's art. character is named Athena, and she is from the Amazon. Yeah, so like Wait. we have like a whole rivalry. But um, speaking of D and D, this is actually something I thought of that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Mm-hmm. Ben probably won't understand as much because he's not seen the whole movie. But Seamus, you might like. Does that basketball game they play in the new Space Jam movie totally not feel like something that could be like a D&D version of basketball? Now that you're saying it, I could totally see that. I'd yeah. say it's more of a tabletop game, though. Yeah, I mean, but 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 it could, yeah. like, I could see a DM creating that because it's not traditional basketball rules. You know, you have... Ruth, if you're players. listening, uh, take notes. <laughs> There's all these other, like things in play you know like that you're figuring out and like kind of just like cool devices like i know it's supposed to technically also spoilers spoilers left and right here spoilers but you know like it's supposed to be like a video game thing that like lebron's son has created but like it definitely feels more like a role-playing scenario than it than it would be something that you play on a video game like and i also kind of love the fact that like streaming is brought in so like prevalently like i mean because it's like including twitch culture it's not saying twitch because you know they, that would be like a massive payout but that's what it is like they're it, it's a live twitch game mm-hmm. but it definitely like to me feels like something that if you like had a dm that felt froggy enough you could turn that game into a total like D plot mm-hmm. so that's actually a real bringing up D is actually a really good segue because i promised ben uh something within this podcast so our D- we're recording on saturday july 24th and the night before we were supposed to have a D game i was not in because i was watching the opening ceremonies of the olympics and anyone who knows me knows i am a huge olympics nerd uh part of this is also familial uh my grandfather was an olympian he competed in 36 um full disclosure he did not medal or anything he didn't get past the qualifiers like but he made the team yeah, but so this is going to be one of those exclusive things to this podcast. And, you know, when we promote this, it's going to be what like this is going to be what we try to sell it on Space Jam and the story I'm about to tell. My grandfather was also personal coach Jesse Owens in that game at those games. And he's the reason why Jesse got four gold medals. And so Ben and best friend of the pod, Hannah Robleski, wanted me to tell the story of how this happened. Because Seamus just <laughs> casually dropped this information to us. Yeah, like just in a group chat, he was like, oh, yeah, um, like my grandfather's reason Jesse Owens like meddled. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Never talked about this before. And that's kind of a big thing. Like we've known you for years and this has never been a story that's been brought up <laughs> Well, it's one of those stories that, like, I used to tell, as I mentioned, in middle school and stuff to try to, like, seem cool and all that because, you know, middle school and high school, all you want to do is just, like, fit in. And my classmates just weren't having it. So, but now it's one of those things, I think, because I have a group of friends that also, like, are interested in these sorts of things, you know. But it's so... the difference, too, in being an adult and hearing stories about history versus being a kid and hearing history? Because, like, as a kid, like, I don't think it's easy to like appreciate history mm-hmm. you know because you're just absorbing everything else around you yeah. and if it's not like an immediate grab like like I feel like if you had told the story and it was like you know like my grandfather you know was like a manager for Michael Jordan 
you know like that's something that would have been way easier to have like latched on and understood versus like having to understand the significant cultural importance of jesse owens and the berlin games and all that stuff yeah so this so the story about tell um you're never going to find this this is exclusive to the pod you're not going to be able to find this anywhere from like any of the documentaries about jesse owens or the Six games or the movie race and honestly if they include this in the movie race it would made this movie even better um but this is like one of those family oral tradition things and also like my grandfather like he's the hero of the story in full disclosure like you know he was a guy of his time so like you know racist um uh he uh anti-semitic you know what do you expect you know and so and but for him this was all about trying to make sure that america kicks ass because usa 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 and ben is showing off his captain america shirt (laughs) which he is right now wearing so yes honestly you need to record that on Storycorps for real hold on just a moment like that's one of those stories like that is definitely worth making sure it's an archives like that's a really cool thing well, it's going to be archived. It's going to be on this podcast. And now Ben yeah, had to exactly. leave. Exactly. This is the so... new story core. <laughs> okay. So listeners, Ben just had to leave for a second. So I have to hold off on telling the story. Ben is a band of the podcast. Okay. He is back. No, Ben just went to, to get uh, more more visual aids here. Oh, I see. We, we, we have to be yes. more aggressively American. Got it. Okay. <laughs> He is right now showing off his uh, United States scarf. That is like the one thing I feel like even in like really like left circles something about like the two weeks that the Olympics happened it's like easy to like overlook a lot of like complaints you have about your country and just be like aggressively about that country because now sports are involved. See we've got the Olympics going on and the CONCACAF Gold Cup which the tickets kept selling out too fast for me to be able to go to any of the games I would have been free to, but Team USA's Group A stage um, of that was all at in Kansas City, you know, where my team plays. And I'm sort of agonized over the fact that I couldn't go. But yes, I got this for both of those. Okay, so... Uh, as most people know, Jesse Owens won four gold medals in that Olympics, you know, and set world records and all that. So, of course, this was supposed to be the Olympics wherein the Third Reich showed off its dominance. Um, I believe they didn't allow any Jewish players because, you know, Nazis. Yeah. Correct. But they also definitely, they couldn't really bar any black players because you know there are country oh there were different countries but of course they were trying to show that the Aryan race was the best and one and a lot of the things actually that were set up with the Olympic Games there were were actually kind of cool Um, like for instance in the Olympic Village with the showers you had a little dial where you put in your height and like either in metric or imperial and it would then have water spout out the bottom of the shower and up straight onto you. Interesting. So, yeah, that's actually kind of cool. I wish I would have a, totally take a shower like that. And then also, 
in the Olympic Stadium, it was not regular bleachers or stands or anything like that. It was actually all cut turf that was basically cut into uh, into stairs. And so you just bring a blanket and you'd sit on grass. Gotcha. So it's like more of like a terrace seating style than just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they really had a lot of sort of cool ingenuity to give crowd words to, even though, of course, Nazis are evil. I, I, so, feel like, I, I feel like we can just leave anything associated with them to... I, I don't know. Fuck that shit. We don't need to worry about finding the silver linings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm know, just saying of... that this was actually kind of a cool Olympics, but of course, because they were trying to show off and this, the, that actually yeah, leads that to was great. Partially I think it's definitely the Olympics with the most notoriety, if you will, mm-hmm. just because there's that there is that whole era of, of the, such a dark chapter in history. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, I don't know if any of you guys ever watch Pawn Stars, and I know that it, it, it's trash reality TV, but I love trash reality TV, okay? And I'm not ashamed. <laughs> but, you do you. Exactly. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's been like several, or, or, there's one episode of Pawn Stars in, in particular that I can remember where like a guy showed up and had a bunch of like memorabilia from the 1936 Olympics that he was trying to sell. And basically they were like, we really can't do anything with this because like people just aren't collecting this. And like, we don't really want to sell things with swastikas on it. So good luck with that. But that's the whole thing though. Like, I mean, like I know there are people who do collect Nazi memorabilia and that's extremely messed up thing to do in my opinion, but um, they also may be LAPD officers who are then called to testify against OJ Simpson. That, I mean, I know we started off this episode talking about space jam, but that is some hardcore nineties right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it was just, it was just like an interesting thing because like there is still definitely stuff out there that exists, but like, you know, who really wants something with the Olympic rings and the swastika on it? Like, it's just one of those weird, like, ugh, things. Yeah. Yes. Like, so, Jesse Owens stuff is cool. Like, things in reference to Jesse Owens is a different story, but, you know, we're not talking about Jesse Owens' gold medal here, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, I forget the order if I ever knew it. But he had just won his third medal. It was either a hundred meter uh relay or hundred meter dash or the long jump. And he's winded. And so Germans are hating the fact that this black man, of course, they're probably using a word that I cannot use, you know, or whatever the German version is, uh, to refer uh they're being just furious that this guy is winning. And so they decide that they are going to cheat a little. And they decide that they are going to have him go straight from one event to another. And so he's winded. My grandfather is like in like the third row of this terrace type seating and sees that Jesse is uh, winded and all that. And yes, my grandfather's personal coach, but it was like one of those honorary things that like they just the U.S. Olympic Committee just gave, you know, like, he had a real coach and all that, but my, so my grandfather calls him over and says, okay, kid, I can see that you're winded and all that, but uh, I actually did my, the reading of the Olympic manual for coaches. There is a little section that says that 
if you sit, well, there's a section that says if you sit down before your event, you're forfeiting. Uh, but however, you can stand and just listen to your coach for advice for as long as you as long as you need. So basically, he says, "I'm just going to talk nonsense to you, and then tell me when you're ready." Uh, and you have your win back and you can go compete. So you're saying that Jesse Owens was in part saved by the filibuster. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Oh. Now that you explain it, yes. <laughs> you know, I've had my heart both broken and completely revitalized <laughs> on this podcast today. <laughs> oh. Well, hopefully Joe Manchin does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> Joe, Joe Manchin and Chris Sim are going to go for Jesse Owens' <laughs> medals. <laughs> you find us Jesse Owens and we'll hear you out, bro, but... Until you do that, come on. Let, let's let's have some election protections, huh? So finish up the story, <laughs> and I have to pass it on to the family because that is the best single best hot take there, Ben. <laughs> so yeah, so my grandfather basically for like twenty five minutes is just talking nonsense to him. Of course, every German there is. Screaming, screaming bloody murder, like, what the hell is happening here? This guy has to compete. You know, he's holding up everything. It, uh, of course, Hitler is in his box, and he's uh, among the crowd just being furious about the whole thing. And finally, Jesse says, Coach, yeah, I got my one back. You sure? Yeah. And of course, then he goes and he gets his fourth medal, or fourth, fourth gold. That's that's totally awesome. That is yes. totally awesome. But I, I mean, my only Olympic story that I have personally is nowhere near as cool as James. This is just a dumb, funny story in my family too. Um, but they had the Olympics in Atlanta in 1996, and um, for those of you listening that don't know, I'm from Atlanta, so um, it was a big deal. You know, we had the Olympics in our backyard. We went and um, mm-hmm. like. I was really young at the time. I was, I was seven years old in 96. And the only thing that I really remember about it, I don't remember very much of the games itself. Like we did go to a basketball game. We did see the dream team and all that stuff, which was cool. Um, but <laughs> they have still to this day in Centennial Olympic Park in Atlanta, they have these uh, fountains in the ground that are shaped like the Olympic rings and they shoot up water and everything else. And, you know, they're a lot of fun, especially for kids. Absolutely. And the only thing I wanted to do with the Olympics, literally the only thing I wanted to do was run through these fountains. And like, I just could not understand why we had to go watch sports when these fountains were outside. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) and me as an almost 32 year old lady will still run through those fountains. (laughs) I feel like if I knew when we were all in Atlanta a couple of years ago that I could have done that, I probably would have. You Listen, know. everyone just needs to come back to Atlanta because like I've said before, like not to get into too much 
personal stuff, but like I was going through some things at that Atlanta meeting and I just don't have a lot of recollection of it um, at all. So like, I want to do over, <laughs> like, I don't want to hold like a meeting in Atlanta. I don't want to deal with that paperwork, but <laughs> I just want my friends to come hang out in Atlanta. That's what I feel like we're just going to, you know, as a lot of us, you know, in the next couple of years phase out of active membership in YDA, we're just going to fill the gap in our lives with periodic little get togethers, you know, like, well, like our a- next one's for DC. So then Atlanta, I guess we'll be after that. I mean, I'm telling you, come to Atlanta. Atlanta's a fun place, like straight yeah. up. Like, yeah, I liked going to Atlanta. And I will tell you, I'm not somebody who likes uh, like public transit all that much. I mean, I just I grew up without it, and I don't. It. it, I, it yeah. So when we were all in Chicago, Ben and I basically had flights around the same time, and Ben insisted on taking a taxi because he didn't want to take the subway, which know. would have been a heck of a lot cheaper. And also, honestly, I could have directed us. Yeah, I, I took it going home. And um, I, I took it coming into town, too. And honestly, like, that was a pretty easy subway to navigate. The only um, one I've gotten overwhelmed on, like, Atlanta has a train set up, but it's it's not comprehensive. It's basically a giant cross. There's an, yeah. there's the red line and gold line, and then there's the east and west, which are the, which are the blue and green. Um, so, like, it'll get you to a general area, but you still I do a lot of walking or Uber from that point or, you know, or take a bus or something. I'm just remembering um, the comparison that I had, like from the times, because you know, my last times in both Atlanta and New York City were for YDA meetings. And like I took the MARTA plenty of times in Atlanta, and I because they gave everyone passes for the subway in New York, I, I took that a bunch. And one of them just confused the ever-living shit out of me. And then the other one is just this one simple grid, and it's like, okay, this is gonna take you generally near something. It's like that that works for me. I can do that and go from there to, you know, save 20 minutes. Um, I got but- lucky in New York because like there was one night I was trying to leave City College because I just want to go back to my hotel room. I was tired. Yeah. And um, like I was trying to navigate with like my phone to like where the subway station was. And like and I got to this one place and I was just like, you know, like when your gut just tells you like maybe don't go here <laughs> like mm-hmm. by yourself looking like a tourist it was you know i had one of those moments and like i finally just surrendered turned back around and i found a group of lovely people from like connecticut who knew the trains i was like can i please just follow you (laughs) like the the new york city subway system i know was so vast and so comprehensive and does a good job but like if you're a person who's not constantly taking public transit like it's overwhelming like i got super overwhelmed on like I, i could not navigate it alone yeah. Like, I'm well, like, the thing sure. is that New Yorkers are usually, in myself included, like we are very nice about like trying to help give directions and all that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can vouch for that because like I took the subway in New York to uh, JFK, mm-hmm. and like the guy at the hotel was like trying to get me a taxi, and I was just like, I don't got taxi money, and he's like, you know, and I I was like, I I can do the subway how I do, and he was like so nice about explaining it. Yeah, and for where the hotel was you just had to hop on the a train right right mm-hmm. so it ended up not being that bad but like but you know i came to new york thinking that i was just going to use the subway whole time and i was going to use all the stuff to navigate and i just quickly like threw that plan out the window when i was by mm-hmm. myself yeah now that's just well, so speaking of competition and stuff since we have mentioned space jam and um the olympics 
I think we, and this is some degree of a political podcast, but I think we do have to discuss the college Republicans. Oh, goodness. Yes. Yes, we do. Before we um, do that, I'm, I'm going to go to the restroom real quick if we can. Yeah, it. we can pause yes. for a second. I'm going to eat some Pop-Tart while we're paused. <laughs> I'm going to sip on my Raz Cranberry LaCroix. LaCroix, we will definitely take sponsorships from you. Yeah, especially, namely, in the form of actual just LaCroix. Not even money, just give me product. Yeah. Like, LaCroix, I'm not even joking, you are missing out on brilliant uh, uh, marketing opportunity. To say that the Lime LaCroix is basically a non-alcoholic gin and tonic. Everyone I know believes that. And I was on one for, I, I and Ben's girlfriend came up with ads up independently. We both think it's non Tastes like a non-alcoholic gin and tonic. Oh, I love the lime Lacroix. Mm-hmm. Like that's 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 the best one. Period. Mm-hmm. Like, like I enjoy the other ones, but like that's the one that to me has also the strongest flavor profile. Yes. So actually, Becky, while while we're waiting on Ben, I have a question for you. Yeah. How much like economic impact, like positive or negative, did the Atlanta Olympics have on the city? Um, I know that there's kind of some conflicting stuff with that because a lot of people thought that there was too much money spent on like Centennial Olympic and things like that. And also we had to outsource like certain parts of our games. Like the irony is that like the kayaking and, and like the river events mm-hmm. weren't actually in Georgia. They were in Tennessee on the Georgia Tennessee line on the Okoe River. Um, so, and they built stuff on the Okoe river to control the water flow so they could have better rapids. And that's still in place today. If you go out there, like they still do whitewater rapids out there and still use the same controls from the 96 Olympics on certain parts of it. But, um, we also had like, and this was also like a really controversial thing for my family. Um, but the, uh, the bombing that happened in Centennial Olympic park during the free concert, was yeah. like literally the week before we went and my grandfather was pissed that we were going because not only did my mom take me but she took my other two cousins with us so that was like all of like my grandfather's grandkids mm-hmm. and he was just like oh, oh good so you're gonna get all my grandkids blown up that's 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 great you know like that was like so there were people who were very afraid after that I mean, there were still people Understandably. Who were going. Yeah, there were still people who were definitely going, but like even I remember being there in the Olympic stuff, and there was still damage, like that was visible. But like, did you, from what you've seen, did you see it as like an economic boom or like a bust? Because that is like one of the biggest criticisms now of hosting an Olympics is that usually there is no econ- actual economic benefit. I think for Atlanta, it was a boom, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure we still probably spent more money than we needed to, but the one thing that Atlanta did, Atlanta didn't build stadiums for it. Like to the best of my recollection, the only thing that they did around the same time was that they, uh, they imploded the old Brave Stadium to build Turner Field around the same time, but I don't know if that was Olympics related mm-hmm. or if that was just Ted Turner related because, you know, it became Turner Field. And that was around the same time that Ted Turner owned like half the city. Mm-hmm. Um, Which around, uh, around the New Year's, uh, this past New Year's, I listened to an audiobook about like the creation of CNN and they go into Ted Turner 
that dude is crazy. Oh, he's totally insane. Totally. But like also yes. super cool. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just the stuff like in the vision he had. Yeah. But yeah, like Atlanta, like that that is kind of one thing that sad. Now me and some friends have talked about that. Like the influence of Ted Turner that used to be very, you know, noticeable in Atlanta is is shrinking. His footprint has shrunk dramatically. And um they've actually sold the CNN Atlanta stuff and it's gonna be leaving. I don't know exactly when, but it's a matter of time now that it's all going to be outsourced to basically LA and New York and New York is going to be the main like desk hub. But, you know, like I just, I personally, I don't remember a ton of brand new stuff being built for the Olympics. Like we have the ugliest Olympic torch in history. Like if you Google it, it still exists. It still stands in Atlanta, but I mean, it just looks like a McDonald's fry box on like a, like one of those like metal like connects like setup builds like it's so stupid like all these other countries have these beautiful ones and we have something that literally looks like you could have built it in a home at class but listeners if you want like to learn about ted turner like and how crazy in like in both the bad he's crazy in both bad and good senses like it it's weird yeah it's Listen, yeah no, he's an interesting I, character yeah Read or download from Audible or whatever, Up All Night, Ted Turner, CNN, and the Birth of 24 Hour News by Lisa Napoli. That is our plug. For yeah. And also, I will say, like, everyone should support TCM because really, truly, that I think is one of Ted Turner's greatest accomplishments was saving the RKO library and informing that because we would have lost yeah. a ton of Golden Age cinema had he not done that. TCM is a delightful thing to have. It is. Yeah. Um, Because that's just like if I am up and doing nothing else, and sometimes they'll just have marathons of old things that I really like. Like, hey, it's, uh, oh, hold on. Let me remember the actor's birthday that I was watching the marathon of. Yeah, like I've been pretty heavily involved with TCM stuff. Like I've been to the TCM Film Fest in Los Angeles. Um. Yeah, I've been around people who've worked with it. Like it, that, that truly is also a community that they build. It's a really intense community, but um, it's it's definitely a thing. And I was thinking it was uh, it was Toshiro Mifune, the the famous Japanese actor who did a lot of movies with Kurosawa. I just remember like channel surfing one night. It's like okay, this would have been his hundredth birthday, so we're just gonna play Rashomon and Seven Samurai and everything. You know, ten other things back to back to back. Like yes, I'm not gonna stay up for all of this, but yes. And also Herman Mankiewicz's uh, grandson took over Robert Osborne's spot. So like, it's also kind of cool that there's, you know, old and Hollywood. Drew Barrymore <laughs> also, which she's yeah. Hollywood royalty, but like, you don't see her as like a, someone who's like into the classics, but then like, she's giving like great commentary. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, I mean, like there's definitely, I, I always forget that. Like, I know that she's, you know, related to them. Obviously, I mean, she's a Barrymore herself, but. I, I think it's just like easy to kind of like put the type of movies she did and like an, and her level of fame compared to theirs is, is like is a totally different plane, you know, like and not in a bad way. It's not like, you know, I mean, she's been successful, but, you know, it's just interesting. And she also was a child star, too, which I think is a totally different conversation oh, man, yeah. than vaudeville and, you know. The upper yeah, and like and apparently and like the other Barrymores, they did all have like some problems and stuff in their lives. So it was kind of it's sad that she also had her well, own, but you know she's gotten better. So well, I mean, it just it just also comes to show. I mean, we can just talk about it and say what it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just shows that addiction is a disease and it's genetic. Mm-hmm. 
you know? And, you know, anyone who can overcome their addictions is, you know, has respect in my book all day. And anyone who's trying to overcome an addiction has respect in my book. Because that's, that's hard stuff, man. Well, speaking of addictions, you know, being conservative Republican nowadays. Oh, boy. <laughs> which, you know, it's, it's because the Republican Party has become a tr- uh, cult and all that, so... Yeah, a weirdly good segue. <laughs> so you guys are going to pull me a little bit because I've heard that there's been like, I, I know that there was like some some scandal about an election that was held with the college Republicans, but I didn't hear the full. Uh, okay, so I've been following this closely because for me this is like grab the popcorn, but of course it's not watching. This is all reading. <laughs> so college Republicans two weeks ago had their convention and young fun fact young republicans are right now having their convention in indianapolis which is of course where young democrats had their convention two years ago fucking copycats get your own thing (laughs) (laughs) so college republicans with their convention it was all virtual and the there was like a $200 or $150 something, $100, whatever. But there was an actual registration fee that people are like, what the hell is this for? And all that. So it already, the convention itself was mired in controversy. So, but the, so there was mainly two candidates uh, for chair. Judah Waxelbaum, who uh, was the Southwest region director or region, regional vice chair. And Courtney Hope Britt, who was the Southeast region, Regional Vice Chair. And Judah was considered as being the populist candidate and Courtney as being the establishment pick. And so a lot of big states that have become very populist, you know, very hail Trump and all that like New York, California, Texas, they were all supporting Judah. Uh, So a few days before, so backtrack for a second, much like uh, how it is in uh, young Democrats and I think college Democrats, they have to go, each state has to go through a chartering process and that will of course determine how many delegates they are allotted. And so there is uh, multiple stages in that, and within the system, they had uh, well. Firstly, for whatever reason, the college Republicans did not publicly publish their constitution and bylaws. It was all saved as a giant Google Doc that you had to request access to do, which a lot of people therefore felt that they did not know the proper rules. Which that one I'll give them. Um. But so with the chartering, you know, you have to go through like membership lists and other things. But uh, if you did not submit things by a proper date or there were issues and you had to, then you can file for an appeal. And with the appeal, you also had to provide letters from at least two schools within uh, your state saying that there were active young Dem or young Republican chapters. Or college Republican chapters. Wow. 
uh, young Dems. I'm so hooked in. I'm saying, yeah, it. like the gay straight your brain yeah, is. We have our own issues. Don't put their evil on us. <laughs> <laughs> so when, because with their when everything was collected, it was then sent to a third party arbiter to actually compile and go through everything and determine all this. They did not have their own internal credentials committee that does, or they had one, but does not come into play later until later. Uh, the arbiter says, here's what I found. This is how many delegates they're getting. And for some big states like New York, California, Texas, uh, I think Florida, a few others, they were allotted not enough or none altogether and so they were not actually rechartered oh wow yeah and i'll give my personal commentary in a second so then it goes to the credentials committee meeting and that started at 9 a.m eastern which that felt like that if you ask the supporters of judah they're gonna because he's from arizona which is pacific time and also like california was supporting him there they saw that as a slap in the face because of course that means 6 a.m their time um and when really i think it was just more of this them just being just doing 9 a.m because they knew it was gonna be a long meeting it the whole thing ended up being like 13 hours oh, of right yeah and it was all on zoom and one by one they tried to appeal and they did not succeed so finally gets to day of the convention that also was like 13 hours or something uh, because they had to go state by state. They were trying to appeal the credentials committee report and try to include all those other states. And each time it fails because um, so needless to say, because Judah did not have all these big states supporting him, he lost to Courtney Britt. Concurrently, there is reason to believe that the outgoing uh, chair of the College Republicans was basically choosing Courtney as his successor and manipulating a few strings behind the scenes to uh, make sure that that happened. Uh, part of it could have been this whole thing with not making their constitution bylaws public. Part of it, uh, some of it was also... Um, it lo looks like the chair may have also created a side corporation that was then contracted out to do consulting work. So he was personally enriching himself and they were never giving any like real financial updates, but that's speculation coming from a dossier. I put in air quotes coming out of the New York uh, College Republicans, which everything that they say, I'll take with a grain of salt. Um I think that, well, their former chair actually blocked me on all social media because he couldn't uh, dare answer any tough questions. You know, here's, here's the thing. Like I had, not to interrupt you, it's just, yeah. it's just like a prevalent thought happening in my brain right now. Like I had an intern um, not too terribly long ago. Um, and he like referred to some of these organizations and people in them as playing like LARPy house of cards. And that's exactly what this sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we've absolutely been guilty of 
things like that in every level of the YDs, but. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely been stuff where there's been, like, you know, stuff that happens. Shady things going somewhat, on. Yeah, mm-hmm. somewhat questionable. You know, I don't think that necessarily all of it was necessarily nefarious. I think some of it's just, you know, driven by pe- people with their own egos. And I think. Or just that, being stupid. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just general incompetence, more so than, like, calculated plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, to finish the story, of course. Courtney wins. All these other states are saying, well, she's not the rightful chair because we weren't allowed to vote. And so now in Texas, New York, California, a few other states are all playing to secede from college Republicans to possibly start their own rival organization. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, dance. sorry. I said dance puppets dance. Yes. Oh, no. So grab the popcorn. This sounds terrible. Entertain us. <laughs> but like people like Elise Stefanik, who of course is the number three Republican in the House, she was chiming in about saying that the college Republicans were in the wrong or the national organization was in the wrong year. It was as if she has nothing better to do with her life. I mean, she doesn't. Um, I mean, but there, but there's other situations like that too. Like, do you guys remember when like Kim Klasik was trying to like suggest that like there were conspiracy theories within the National Young Democrats Organization. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to say too much because out of respect for people who, you know, are no longer with us, but, you know, that was one of those, it was such a reach that she had no... I won't, yeah, also not to reveal too much, but to give enough this way that, like, we're not making our listeners, like... I'm not trying to be so of... super vague, I just want to be respectful. Yeah. 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 There yeah. was one, one member of Young Democrats, very prominent who passed away last year. Uh, You can Google and find out who it was. And basically, because this person was going to do a Facebook Live saying, here's all the issues that I see currently happening with the national organization, just before they passed away, um, Kim Klasik basically tried to say that members of YDA had the person killed, which, of course, everyone in YDA says we can barely vote on qu- uh, decide quorum like there's no way that we were actually organized to do this like it, it was such a ridiculous like an unfounded theory that like even people who didn't like people were defending each other just yeah though I think Seamus really has the right of it if yeah. you know us you know we're all one big dysfunctional family but there are very few things that we can all coordinate on I mean I will tell you, and you know, this can be a great segue if Seamus wants it to be for something else in a moment. We still have some pretty knockout drag out arguments about the combination of pineapple and pizza in this organization. Exactly. Um, I mean, there Which, are- Shameless plug. Actually, if you want to force me, a native New Yorker, to eat pineapple pizza, you have your chance uh, with the NYSYD, a pie the president uh, fundraiser next week. I'll put the link in the show notes. You. Uh, for $100, you will force both me and New York State Young Democrats President Jovan Richards to eat pineapple pizza. And also, uh, Pi, if you, uh, Jovan and two past presidents, and me, if you so wish. But I will say, and I think you know this, Seamus, Becky and I are part of a small investment group to force this to happen. Yeah. Um, Team Pineapple Forever. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I want you to donate all the money 
Yeah, no, we're, we're no, it, it's it's totally like for a good thing. Like honestly, like yes. it's kind of a brilliant fundraising thing. It it lets us take a joke and put some legs on it to do some good stuff for y'all. So like I'm, no, I'm, I'm here. And, and, yeah, and force me to be in in absolute torture. I I'm down for it. Yeah, like we. <laughs> And also, friend of the pod, Justin Holson back. We one time he also did a similar thing when he was running for Fulton County Commissioner. So I to say that, like he he did it. I donated to it. He ate it on on. He was streaming it to mm-hmm. prove that it happened. Um, and he really went for it. And you know, he didn't die. And I'm very proud of him for that. And I'm just gonna you know put one of our hold on hold up. on. This. How do we know that he didn't die? Because this could also be like a birds aren't real thing that he's been replaced with a drone. As, as a Georgian, I can confirm that Justin Holsenbeck is very much alive. Well, no, what you've seen is a drone. <laughs> because we'll this is the podcast that also revealed birds we'll aren't real. our guests, come on. <laughs> I, I will say that, you know, he committed to it and I hope you and Javon do a lot better than say one of our other uh, frequent guests, Charles Myers did when he promised to shave his head last year if people donated to YD Wisconsin and he just got a simple haircut uh, and I'm still salty about that. <laughs> you want me to bring my hair trimmer with me to... Yes, uh, in- yes I do. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make this happen. He owes us. Do you guys okay. remember there was a whole like bit on Jackass where they were just like shaving each other's heads like they randomly just come up with like randomly. the shark noise, like the Jaws music? Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 just the fans of the college Republicans. And then we can, of course, go to Pineapple Beats and all that. Right. Priority. So as, as someone who for the past two conventions for New York City Young Dems has always done the credentialing and this is just simple politics, you always make sure that you have more than what you need. Like, if it's petitioning for a candidate, you always get at least double the signatures you need. If it's going to be just tr- counting your votes, you always want to go about 5% over what you need. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, so if you're giving the bare minimum stuff and you don't, yes, I, I'll give you that there, the national organization was shady on disclosing its rules, but you should have been, the leadership in New York, Texas, all that stuff, they should have been on, make sure that they get a copy of these things. They disseminate that heavily and that they make sure they have everything that they needed, including those letters. Like, even if it's not necessary, you make sure you have it. So this way there's no disputes. And I so mean, it's really on them and it shows yeah, their incompetence. That's preparation on any level. I mean, like, I, I can tell you, speaking of, speaking of, of our friend Charles, um, we all got together one night and literally like we were trying to stop Kanye West from making the ballot in Wisconsin because of mm-hmm. their, um, <laughs> excuse me, because Probably. of their process of how you like qualify to run there. Every state has like different procedures, but essentially one thing for the state of Wisconsin, at least um, that you can do with, with someone running is if you can invalidate a person's credentials who is gathering signatures and invalidates all those signatures. You know, so like, you know, to every level, you know, in every detail, you have to be organized because that's how a lot of stuff ended up getting tossed in Wisconsin. Like it ended up being Kanye's own fault and Kanye's team's fault that he didn't make the ballot. It wasn't even the effort that Wisconsin Democrats were doing. But, you know, I mean, it just comes down to like what you're saying, Seamus, like you can't leave anything unturned or like it can be the end of a campaign. 
period. And anyone who works in politics, whether it's organizational elections or like regular elections, like ought to know that. That's one on one. And if you're say, yeah, you've got to know the rules. You got to know what you're getting into. You know, sometimes it can work out. Sometimes you can screw up somebody's ballot petitions or, you know, their charter with an organization. Sometimes you can realize that you've got an awesome loophole to keep somebody in the Olympics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it all comes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Which my only thing is like, so I have actually made a suggestion. So the New York Young Republican Club, which they made headlines uh, a few months ago because they decided to have a fundraiser, their annual fundraiser gala in New Jersey in the or place got shut down because of COVID restrictions that they broke, you know, because um, they, I, they started a law committee. I'm like, I posted on fa- on Twitter, basically t- uh, retweeting something that the, or quote tweeting something that their president, Gavin Wax, who I don't have very nice things to say about, so I won't say them. Um, that they should probably sign, like do like a lawsuit about all this. And he says in reply, oh, we're going to do so much more. Uh, we're going to do this and so much more. Of course, yet to be seen uh, if they're going to be suing about this because this is like actual like possible infringement on personal on rights and all that so you know instead of maybe you know this is the one time like instead of just like crying and stuff about it like trump i would say actually go the lawsuit route but you know they're not going to listen to me hey not your circus not your monkeys right (laughs) you know everything everything that maybe just for every now and then i just want to help out because i want to actually to see the sub play out because it is my own amusement <laughs> to quote ben dance puppet stance exactly i think that is uh i think that's a good little bullet point is that also probably possibly where we have to end the show i think Probably we've been uh, we've been on for save a break, you know, close to an hour and a half. Oh, we continue talking actually while you are in the restroom. I noticed. I really hope you edit out that I asked to stop so I could take a bathroom break. No, that's one hundred percent staying. (laughs) I am human, listeners. I know you worship me, but please. Wait. So you are not a god? What are you trying to prove? Ray, if someone That's asks not... you if you're a god, you say yes. It's not a no. And that's not a yes, so. If, if I am open about it, then I don't know. I feel like I bring myself down to a mortal level and that, uh, that, 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 that can't happen. I need the mystique to remain. You could have just gone the Christian route and just say that you're both god and human. That's that's no fun. That's cheating. Three and one. Three and one. You also get to be a ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like inspiring everyone's single thoughts. Come on, you would you would totally be into that, Ben. I, th- I'm. This is taking another really weird turn, and I'm. I gotta <laughs> We're editing all of this out, right? <laughs> this is oh, this has become really good content. Is like because Ben actually would have the ability to basically become like a cult like figure by just in, going through people's like thoughts and all of that. 
I no, I can I can work with this. I think uh, if you know, Seamus, if we want to do like one of our next episodes, be uh, you know the cult of Ben special. I I call dibs on Pope. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was maybe gonna have like a like a you know fencing competition for that, but we can work that out. I just I called dibs. Say, so I called dibs before you even decided on mean. So it, it that does not apply. This is good. I, I admit, I really did need like a new outlet for all my megalomania. Um, oh, actually, Ben, you have to talk about. I was going to tell. Baseball. Yeah, I'll tell this one last story, and then I think we're sort of dragging this out. Yeah. Um, so when I was a freshman in college, I had a you know a, a strange group of friends as I have at different points in my entire life, um, and I had a running joke with some of them that my true aspiration, because I hadn't picked my major yet my freshman year at the University of Kansas. Uh, and that I said that my true goal was just total world domination. Um, and, you know, I was just kind of there figuring it out. And at one point, Facebook was still a fairly new thing at the time. Pages didn't exist. Groups were everything. And people would start groups for every little stupid and joke they wanted. Okay, um, super. okay Boomer. Yes, I know. You're, I'm like two years older than you. Um <laughs> Yeah, so at one point, I don't remember if I did a cheap little photo mashup myself or if one of my friends did because I have no graphic design ability of a picture of just what was at the time my profile picture over, superimposed over the planet. Um, and I created a Facebook group called Allies, Acolytes, and Supporters of the Ben World Order. Um, and, you know, maybe like 20 of my friends were in it and it was just where I could post some of the goofy shit I liked or, you know, people could repeat funny jokes that went in this usually during student Senate elections, because frankly, we took those way too seriously. And that makes my membership in YDA make a lot more sense when I think about it. Uh, but I digress. Uh, earlier this week, I had not thought about this group in a very long time. This was something I started 15 years ago. Um, I opened Facebook, just taking a break from work. And the first thing I see is a notification that this group that I created many years ago and has not seen any content or anything, oh, probably since 2008, has been permanently deleted. Because Facebook has to, as part of their various guidelines, delete anything that promotes organized crime or terrorist activity. <laughs> Because I was apparently promoting terrorist activity because I used to tell people I was going to take over the world. Then world order, man. Yeah. My, you know, my routes to it is uh, pretty circuitous, but as I think we've just established in the last few minutes, clearly there are still methods at play, and I'm glad people still showed their support. And with that, you know, we are neither... Um endorsing nor not endorsing ben as a new deity you know that oh, yeah. that is a personal choice you know of whatever religion you wish to inspire to i thought ben would have some witty comeback but i guess not i, I sorry i heard a noise uh yeah no you say it's a choice um but i mean i'm letting you think that <laughs> <laughs> well, well, th uh, Becky, thanks for coming on the pod again. You know, it's always, always. been fun. Always. Yeah. 
It's and one of the people most tolerant of us. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully next time that we get to see you, it'll also have a mirror room. <laughs> God, never again. <laughs> the closet creep me out. <laughs> that is going to be, we have literally established portals through those mirrors so we can just go back. They in. were pointing at each other. Like that's like spiritual deity 101. No, no. Like I put a, I put a towel over one of them. So I was just like, nope, nope. We're not allowing bad juju into there, this place. We put one of the mirrors there. Yeah. We just saw the room where we saw like just one mirror in there. We're like, we're putting another mirror in there. There was another just <laughs> randomly freestanding mirror in the Airbnb. Yeah. So, yeah. And then Ben and I decided to record our last episode of uh, in there. <laughs> so. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. Always, always great having you on, Becky. Yes. Uh. Kimlin Cohen's Cookie Quarantine is a production of Dog Pack, all rights reserved. Our theme music is produced by Alexander Nakamrata. My name, I've been Seamus Campbell. I've been Ben Cohen. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe.